There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover to Cover series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments. God, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, I just pray that as we open up your word, that our hearts and minds would be open to receive you. That God, there's a lot of things going in our life right now. God, we have our our mind is wandering about. We have so many things that are, are trying to compete for your attention right now. But God, as we gather together in your name and you are present in this place, would we be open to receive from you, that we would hear your voice by your word, by your spirit in your son's name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As you guys are looking there in Leviticus chapter 10, again, as we've been making our way through, chapters 1 through 5 looked at five offerings. This is the, uh, this is the law being fulfilled, uh, and it is, we saw the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the restitution offering, and the trespass offering. And what we see in all of those, as we've looked at the last couple of weeks, is that Jesus came and he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill that. And as we looked in depth at all of those, we see that Christ was the perfection of each and every one of those. That we see that Hebrew tells us that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. And here comes Christ to say, no, I am the fulfillment. All of that was pointing towards what I was going to do. Last week, as we looked at chapter 6 through 9, we looked at kind of those same offerings, but through the role and responsibility of the priests. And then we looked at kind of the the priests' uh, involvement in that sacrificial process. And as we see these priests coming into a place where, well, as we're getting towards the end of those chapters and coming into chapters 8 and 9, and we see that there was this uh, process where they were sanctified. And we see that there was the blood that was applied to their ear and their toe, essentially wanting to symbolize that they had been sanctified from head to toe, and then they were washed, and they were made clean. And we looked at the fact that, again, whenever you're in Scripture and you look at the words washed, it's usually an imagery of the Holy Spirit, uh, not the Holy Spirit, but the Word of God. When you hear about drinking, when you're looking at the imagery of drinking, it's usually the Holy Spirit's indwelling or working in. But this washing is the washing by the Word. And again, as we said, that Jesus came not to destroy these things, but to be the ultimate fulfillment of that. We saw that even one of the roles and responsibilities of the priests is that they would take off at times their priestly garments and they would deal with the dirty stuff and they would take it and then they would come back and put their garments on. And again, in the perfect fulfillment of that, Jesus himself, before he would go to the cross, would take off his garments, this picture of righteousness, set them aside to wash the feet of his disciples. And as we again, we, we look at that, we see that by faith, You can be washed by the word of God, a name that Jesus describes to himself over and over. And like these priests, be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. 
We see that, again, Jesus being the perfecter of even the role and position of the high priest. As we look to our high priest, Jesus, to look and act like him in everything we do. And that when we get together on Sunday, again, as fun as it is to, to run around and play games, and I, I enjoy having that time with you guys. I enjoy getting to have the time of the worship where we come before God and the opening of his word. Let's not also forget, part of this thing is that we call church. It's where we come together and we get to try and practice with each other these aspects of who we're supposed to be for the rest of the week. Again, there's this, this thing that comes up in the church and there's this issue of hypocrisy, and I get it, it's, it's a real issue because we all struggle with this. And there's this phrase that people will look at and they say, well, why are you different on Sunday than you are the rest of the week? And it's a great challenge. But unfortunately, something weird has happened over the last few years, I would say even the last decade or so, well, what we've started to do is take the way we act the rest of the week and we want to just keep doing that on Sunday. Instead, what we're told is what Sunday's supposed to be. This is a place where people who are patient with each other, who say we love each other the way a family really should love each other, And we're supposed to practice that and work that out, knowing that we're not going to do it perfect here. We're going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We're going to say things that hurt people. But this is an opportunity for us to look through and go, but this is a moment for us to live lives centered and focused on Christ and practice that so that we're ready to do that for the rest of the week. And again, guys, understanding as we looked at all of the things we've been looking at, as we see these offerings and the priests, is what what's made clear in Scripture is that those of us by faith, you who have placed your faith in Christ, you are now the priesthood. You are the holy nation and royal priesthood. And I, and I need to make this clear because something weird happens too by old bearded guys who stand behind podiums and up on stages is that there's somehow this idea that I'm this modern day priest and you guys are the regular folk. That is completely incorrect. Those by faith have all been made common. We are the priesthood. We are. I'm not something separate and distinct. Now, as teachers, Scripture makes it clear that we have a higher level of accountability, but we all share in the same responsibility as the priesthood. And guys, that's what church is supposed to be. The royal priesthood, a community centered on Christ, our provider and Savior. Now, if you guys would, I I told you guys Leviticus 10. I want you to back up real quick. Uh, Just flip to Leviticus 9.22. I want us to, again, get a quick stage setting for as we get through. And we're going to move fairly quick through chapter 10 today. I'm going to try for you guys, particularly how long I've gone the last two weeks for you guys. You guys have been patient. Thank you. We're going to try and make this one stick right on time. So, but Leviticus 9.22. It says, Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down uh, from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and a fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. So the culminating moment as we made our way through the chapters last week is that the priests had been sanctified, they've been set apart. And as they say, okay, we're kicking this thing off. God's glory just explodes in that place and literally a fire comes out from before the Lord, consumes the sacrifice and lights the altar that he said, never let that fire go out. A fire given from God, and if you guys remember from last week, that language, that relationship language of not letting the fire go out and it's God who says, I'm the one who will provide the fire and then we do it not out of you know, obligation to try and earn God's favor, but in the same way in a relationship, you pour out love on that person because you say you care for them, not because you're conscripted or obligated to, 
But in a real relationship, people meet each other right where they are, and they work on that. And it's God who says, I provided the means of the relationship, and now out of response of that is we live that out. And it's within that scene of God providing this fire from his presence that we meet two of Aaron's sons. And right there, Leviticus chapter 10, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire from the Lord. Some, some of your translations may say strange fire from before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Now, you guys don't have to turn there, but again, to give you some context. Again, so the scene is God has lit the fire of the altar. Everyone's excited. Everyone's, they've fallen on their face. And then here comes Nadab and Abihu. And they offer this strange fire before the Lord. He lit the fire. Now, the rules were given in Exodus chapter 30, verse 6 and 9. It says, And you shall put it, speaking of the altar of incense, before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony. So when we looked at the tabernacle, you had the Holy of Holies. There's a veil. Right in front of that was the altar of incense. So that's where this incense altar was. Before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends to the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamp at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor shall you pour out a drink offering on it. Now, I purposely emphasized to get you guys there, is that in Exodus we're told who's supposed to be doing the altar or the, the offering of the incense and, and the fire before the Lord. And who did it say it was? I said it kind of loud a couple of times. Thank you, Sovereign. Aaron. It said it a couple of times right there. Aaron. It's like God says, okay, here's how this is going to work. Aaron's going to go in, light the fire, have the incense time. All right? And then what ends up happening is we see Nadab and Abihu they just decide, you know what? I know what God said is one thing, but we're just going to go it our own way. And what we're going to see unfold from here, guys, is just a reminder that if it's not the right person at the right time, the right way, that's not obedience. You can't decide that what you're going to do is just going to do your own thing and come before the Lord. We've talked about this over and over. In fact, this is something that Already we should kind of think in our minds, go, okay, so what's the deal here? It sounds like these guys really wanted to genuinely worship the Lord. What's wrong? They, they came before the Lord, and they, they wanted to offer incense before the Lord. Again, but things that should jump to our mind is we think of moments like in 1 Samuel, when Samuel was told exactly what he was supposed to do with the, the Amalekites and how he was supposed to wait for a priest, and he didn't, and said he took things upon himself and in doing so lost his position as king. You can go back even further. I think of uh, Mount Carmel, this moment where you have all these priests of Baal, and they're cutting themselves, and they're doing all these incantations and rituals, and the, the, the stage was set. Okay, whoever's God's real, fire will come from heaven, and that's how we'll know. And as they're sitting there, cutting themselves, calling on Baal to light the fire, you, you get Elijah mockingly say, well, maybe your God's on the toilet. Maybe, maybe he just can't hear you. Maybe he's busy right now. Okay, well, I'm going to try this. And he takes his sacrifice and he lays it on. And then he doubles down and he says, you know what? I want you to take those jugs of water and just start pouring water on the sacrifice. And he calls out to Yahweh. 
If you guys remember what happens right there on the mountain, is God accepts that sacrifice and it says a fire comes from heaven and takes up not only the sacrifice, the altar, and takes up all the water. You can go back even further. Think back to Genesis with Cain and Abel. You guys should be asking yourselves these questions when you read things that says that, that Cain's offering wasn't accepted. How did they know? Well, how, what was the, the thing that was known of the acceptance? Well, we go right here to Leviticus 9, and what do we see? By obedience, the presence of God pours out, and like a fire, a literal fire in this situation, we see the altar ignite. Again, if it's not the right person at the right time, in the right way, it's not obedience. That applies in so many aspects of our lives, but none greater than this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus stands before the people and says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's again, there's this, this obedience that God says. It says, you can do all the rituals. You can do all the things. But if you're not doing it with the heart, if it's not coming from the place of a relationship, then all you're doing is just doing a bunch of actions. If you're not in that relationship with God, doing all the devotions, feeding the homeless, doing the good things, trying to dress right, trying to do all the right things. If it's not because of a relationship, but trying to earn, God says that is lawlessness. You're trying to earn your way and that cannot be done. It is only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, verse two says, so the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. So these two guys, priests, they were just ordained. All the imagery. And God says, here's what's supposed to happen. The incense will be in the morning and the evening by Aaron. And these two guys decide to go in. And what it seems to have happened is instead of taking the fire from the altar and going through this steps of obedience as God has called, they try and offer up by their own hands, their own works, a means to come into the presence of the Lord. And again, we have made this clear over and over, and I can't drive this home enough. We like to diminish our sin so often. The wages of sin is death because you are trying to come before a holy God and we are not. It's as if you're trying to step onto the sun itself in shorts and a little flowery shirt. Not the right stuff to go before the sun. But God said there's a prescribed way by which you can because yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There was a way and a means, and we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, but these two men in this moment have just made it real to you. This is where it goes from a law book of trying to wrap your head around to two men who go, okay, but what if I do it anyway? What if I say, this is me, God, take it or leave it. God says, gone. Because verse two says that they the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. He had given a means by which they could come. Remember, he told them to take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. All this time he's been saying, I want you in my presence, but if you try and just walk in, it's not safe for you. And out of love, he's given this prescription and this means by which we can go through. 
And we think that somehow because of the grace of God that we can come just live our lives however we want in complete opposition to him. And yet we're told in Scripture, should I continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The grace of God by Jesus Christ on the cross is not a free ticket to where you can just say, well, I'm going to live my life however I want, even if it's in complete opposition to God's word. There's a moment in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and it's, it's this uh, weird moment people uh, kind of take into, and, and I get it because it's kind of, it seems again, almost like these two guys. You see these two guys who, what were they doing? They were going in to worship God before the presence of the Lord. What could be so wrong? Because it wasn't the way he had told them to do it. They were trying to, on their own means, come into the presence of God. There's this moment in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I won't have you guys turn there, but again, if you guys like to take notes, you can put it there. But there's this moment where the Ark of the Covenant had been captured. And they have recaptured getting the Ark back. And again, we looked at this in Exodus. There was a, a means by which they were told to carry the Ark. And they chose not to. Instead, actually, what they did is they copied the people who had just conquered them, and they put the ark on a cart. God had said, this is not how, God had, we can go back to Exodus, and go back and listen to it. God had told them when he was talking about all the rings and the poles, and we're like, oh, what does this have to do with all this imagery, and I'm trying to wrap my head around all this stuff, but God had said, there's a way by which to move the ark. It was the priest's job through these poles to carry it, and instead what they did is they said, well, our enemies... These people who don't believe in Yahweh, they threw the ark on a cart. That seemed to be an effective way to move it. We'll go ahead and do the same thing. But what ends up happening is the cart that's holding the ark is moving. It starts to shake, and it starts to rock. And a guy by the name of Uzzah, in fact, when you hear his story, you might just find yourself going, Uzzah, because the ark starts to tip, and he goes to do what you would think a natural good thing is he reaches out to stop the ark from falling, and he puts his hand on the ark and drops dead. And you go, what's, what's the big deal here? The ark is about to fall, and this guy reaches out his hand to stop it. That should have been a good thing. But back up two steps. It started with the disobedience on how to move the ark. Guys, you must understand that you can come with all sincerity. There are people in this world who are sincere in trying to get to heaven and get to God, and they are doing it sincerely. In fact, they might outpace us in any kind of loving, kindness, giving and they're working their way, and they're sincere, and they're sincerely wrong and headed to hell. Because there is only one means by which we can have this relationship and literally touch the presence of God, and that's through his son. And he has communicated this over and over by these people in the Old Testament to say, those who try and do it on their own way, you you cannot be in a place of disobedience and then try and enter into God's presence. He said, it doesn't work that way. You have a more modern expression of this. In Acts chapter 5, there's this couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. This one's completely just, it hits home. Let's go through it, Acts chapter 5. It really should hit home for us here in church. It really should. We're talking about hypocrisy. These two, it's just a sad moment because as the early church was exploding and people were like, okay, we want to do this thing. You're just talking about being the church and loving each other like a family. And people are selling stuff and they're giving it to each other. Go, We just want everyone to be taken care of. And Anna and Sapphira, they do this thing where they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell all our stuff like everyone else. But we're going to take part of the profit, put it in our pocket, but we're going to go to these church leaders and we'll say, here's all of our stuff. 
We have given it freely so that everyone will know how great we are like everyone else while they're pocketing some of the profit. Here's the crazy thing. They're told in Scripture, no one asked you to do this. No one said the church process was sell all your stuff and get... It was something that was happening out of love and motivation and people are doing these things and these two people go, that looks good. We want to do it, but we're going to do it deceitfully. We're, we, you know, well, what happens if this whole thing goes broke? Which, by the way, it does. Not a good uh, example of how to run a country or run a life. By the way, the Acts 1 church in Jerusalem goes broke. That's a whole other message that we can go into. There's a reason why you see Paul keep going, send the money, send the money. So everyone who tries to use that as that's all we have to do is do the loving communism. Everyone just give self. They went broke. They needed someone like Paul to go around and say, they need money. That's a whole different thing. But in this moment, people out of a genuine place of wanting to love on each other are giving their stuff. And Anasaphira, they come up and Ananias walks in and he says, I've given you all this stuff. And God basically speaks into the church leaders and goes, yeah, he's pocketing money. And they go, did we ask you to do this? What you just tried to do is, you're not lying to us. You're trying to lie to God. And he sees everything. I don't know if it was the, oh, I just got caught. But whatever happens, heart attack, boom, guy goes down dead. His wife comes in not knowing what happened. Hey, me and my husband sold all their stuff. But for you, and they go, yeah, your husband just dropped dead because we know that you guys are lying and you're lying before God. <laughs> she drops dead. You have these two moments of people who in sincerity try to do the right thing, but in disobedience it leads to death. And you have others who try and put on the church show and it leads to death. Verse three, I said we were going to get through all of chapter 10. Let's see if we can actually do this thing. We haven't even made the first three. And Moses said to Aaron, what is it what the Lord spoke saying? By all those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all people, I must be glorified. I want to read that again. So after this whole thing, Nadab and Abihu dropped dead. And the Lord speaks to Moses. So this is what I want you to tell the people. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all people, I must be glorified. In Matthew, Jesus would say, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verse 3 continues, says, and Aaron held his peace. Then Moses called Michael, or Michelle, and Elzaphah, the sons of Uzziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went out near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp. And Moses uh, had said, as Moses had said, and Moses said to Aaron and Eleazar and uh, Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads, do not tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the burning which the Lord has kindled. You should not go out from the door of the tabernacle, meaning lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. What Moses is saying, look, Guys, you have been anointed for a process. We just went through this whole thing and there's a place where the sacred is supposed to be right now and where it's not supposed to be. And if in your distress, you make the mistake of tearing the priestly robes, of walking out with that which is sacred and trampling upon it, basically, if you're going to blaspheme this whole process, you're going to end up putting yourself in a place of disobedience. Don't let the disobedience of these men lead you into disobedience. And again, what a charge for us 
We have people that we love and we care for them and they are living lives of complete disobedience and our heart breaks for them, but we could make the mistake that because of their disobedience and the punishment that is upon them that we're somehow going to justify in our grief also disobeying God. And God's saying, look, everyone feels awful. Let everyone else mourn, but you have a role to fulfill. And more than that, if you in grief disobey, that is still on you. Again, guys, it's, it's, God is doing something amazing here through Moses. He's acknowledging, I know you're hurting. I know you're upset. That's a real human thing, but it's not an excuse for disobedience. How many turn to substances or inappropriate physical intimacy with others because they're just upset? They're just angry, and God goes, I know you are. I feel that, but it's not an excuse to disobey. You don't get to stand before God, and when he says, why did you not choose me? Well, those hypocrites, those church people, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. I know, but you rejected me because of them? I can't imagine being in a relationship with another person, and their brother or sister is a complete jerk. And you say, we have to break up. Why? My, my, your sister's a jerk. <laughs> but I'm not my sister. Yeah, but you're a hypocrite sister. I want nothing to do with you and go, well, that's okay. So here's God saying, I love you. I want to have this relationship with you. And you go, yeah, but your kids are jerks. He's go, okay, I'm, I'm working on them. Verse 8, then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord had spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Now, we're not sure here, but some people take this passage that we just read, verse 8, where it starts talking about, hey, don't drink wine, don't get drunk. It's saying that's what those two did, Nadab and Abihu. We don't know. I, t- I, 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 I can look at that and almost go, let's overlay both of those. If people want to push the issue, I go, that could be. Could it be that in the revelry of hurrah, we're all priests, that they knocked back a couple, got a little, hey, you know, it'd be cool. Is let's go, let's go burn the incense like dad's supposed to do. You know, well, let's worship God. And wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And they go in and stupidly go to the place. The bigger point is they went somewhere they weren't supposed to go. They disobeyed. But this is a challenge and a reminder to us. Something that you see over and over and over in Scripture. When you subject yourself to outside substances like alcohol and drugs, it always leads to pain and destruction. Always. For that person, if you've ever had these people in your life, and it's a hard thing, but you can see them and you just go, they're a great person when they're not drunk. They're a great person when they're not on the drugs. And it's a hard, real thing. And what he's saying here is go, look, this always leads to this thing. It always leads to, I can handle it until you can't. And you see these two young men and the the disobedient choice that they made. And again, guys, there's a lie that the enemy always tries to plug in. No one will know. No one will see. And it's only yourself that's being affected. It's not true. 
these two young men did something in disobedience and it is breaking their father's heart and their sons and they're almost at a place of almost disobedience to where Moses has to look at his brother and say, brother, I love you. I know your boys just went down, but if you step out in disobedience, that's on you. And so when we think of these things, when we go through this life, and again, there's this lie that is perpetrated. Nobody can see it. God can. He told the church leaders about two people who sold all their money and tried to act like they're all holy while they're pocketing money. It says everything is open and laid bare before God. So guys, there is no such thing as a secret sin. Number two, it's not isolated to yourself because at a minimum, selfishness always removes you from somebody else who genuinely loves you and wants to see good things. And it puts you in a place of just deep despair where you feel a lack of connection and you want to push everyone away, not realizing all the pain that, it is, that you're feeling on yourself and that you're putting on others as they're watching you go into this place of darkness and despair that they want to grab you from and they can't do it. That is what these things always do. That's why Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Which, by the way, uh, witchcraft in this here is the word for drug use. They would use drugs to try and get themselves to a higher plane. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness, ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we're told, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And if you guys have ever heard actually good Bible teachers, they, they remind you about how the Greek here is in the, the act of ongoing, be being filled. It's to understand that we are in constant reliance of that. Again, that drinking in of the spirit is go i need to be being filled i need to be constantly taking that in because when the spirit runs dry my flesh rises up and i lead to the other now verses uh we're going to kind of jump real quick verses 12 all the way through verse 18 what ends up happening is moses says hey there's this process by which you guys are supposed to go through do the sin offering do the peace offering i want you guys to just Again, Aaron, I know that this is hard stuff, but I want you to, to go through and I want you to do as we're supposed to do. And then what ends up happening is that Moses comes in to check on it and he goes, guys, I just told you to, to, to do this sin offering the way you're supposed to and, and you're not doing it. And so Moses comes in and goes, we just lost two priests to disobedience. You're supposed to be doing the sin offering in a certain way and Aaron and his sons, they don't. And you have this moment, but I do want to catch something at the end of verse 18. It says, see, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in a holy place as I commanded. I want to make this clear. Moses came in and says, look, this is how I think you should deal with your grief. 
I want you to just go and do this process. There was a means by which when there was inadvertent sin that a uh, priest, once it was made known, was supposed to. And then here comes the brothers and they're, they're, they're offering the sin offering. Moses comes in and says, yes, but it doesn't look like it was done right. And Aaron responds in this way in verse 19. Aaron said to Moses, look this day, we've offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. So Moses comes in and he says, guys, it doesn't look like it was done right. And Aaron goes, brother, we did the offering. But part of the offering, if you guys remember, so much of this was a fellowship meal. It was like enjoying the, the fellowship that was brought by the forgiveness. And what it says that he says, he says, they've offered and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? Look, we did the offering part. Everything got burnt up the way it was supposed to. The blood got used the way it was supposed to. The only thing we didn't do, we didn't do the fun meal part. Because you know what? My sons just died. My sons' brothers just got burnt. We feel guilty. We feel upset. We just don't feel like eating right now. We did everything we were supposed to do on the offering part, but we're not in a happy place. And it says, so when Moses heard that, he was content. And we never hear of any punishment on that. And again, I want you guys to be reminded of this thing when you guys are going through stuff. Is God says, look, there's, there's a means by which to do things. There's a way by which you can enter into his presence. There's a manner in which we are to behave. And God says that your grief, though real, is not an excuse for disobedience. And even here, God acknowledging their grief says, look, it's good. You, you did the obedient thing. You came before me to make amends, to make the atonement. You went through that process and you just said, God, I, I'm just not in a place for having the joy fun part right now. And God says, I know. I know. Sometimes you're going to be in that place where you're just like, I'm not, I'm not in the fun place. And God goes, I know. But what he does there in that moment is he's right there with you and go, but thank you for being obedient because now I get to be right here with you. Because the worst thing you could have done is in your grief to push God away, the only one who's going to bring real peace, real healing. He's saying, thanks for letting me be a part of this. Because he's always there knocking. And when you're at those low moments, God is saying, I want to be right there with you. Don't push him away. That's one of the third lies of the enemy. It's to convince you that somehow in your sin that God is disgusted with you and wants you to be away from him. And, 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 God, is, and God is wanting to just like pour out wrath on you when it's completely the opposite. When you're in that broken place, he wants to be right there with you. But we see even in this moment as we wrap up this morning that, again, the, the, the heart of the matter, guys, is the matter of the heart. When you're coming before the Lord, you see this guy broken and he's, he's in a place of obedience. But there's so many, though well-intended, choose to disobey and live lives of self instead of after what God has told them. We, again, we look at 1 Samuel 15. After Samuel disobeyed, sorry, I said Samuel, I think earlier, I meant Saul. Saul disobeys. Samuel, the prophet, comes to him and goes, what are you doing? You've disobeyed God. And he says, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I just wanted to do a good thing here. And, and, I, and I made these offerings before the Lord. And Samuel says to Saul, does the Lord delight in birth offerings as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. In the book of Proverbs, again, I want you guys to, as we're thinking through this church process, is to go, yeah, but I came to church. I dressed in church clothes. 
I even actually brought my Bible. They didn't even have to hand me one. Yeah, it's on my phone, but you know, I brought it. You know, I, I go out and I help people and I, and, I, and I give out food and I give out water. I've done the things. But the whole time inside, it's an anisophirus so that I can look good in front of all my church folk or inside, really, I'm worshiping self. And God says, do you think I like that stuff as much as I want a relationship with you? I don't want you to do devotions. I want, I want to have a devoted relationship. In Proverbs chapter 7, we hear about a woman who is actively seeking to have an affair. She is out there. She's called the adulterous woman in uh, Proverbs chapter 7. And she's looking basically for a young guy to be like, all right, I'm in the mood and I want to grab that young guy and take him home with me. And as we listen about this woman, I want you guys to catch something real quick. Because in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23, it says, then, a, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, and at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face. She said, today I have fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let us enjoy ourselves, my love. My husband's not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With pervasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierced his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. I hope you guys caught something in there when it says, today I fulfilled my vows. Look in other versions. It says, I've done the peace offering thing. I've gone to church. I did my church things. Now let's go have an affair. In fact, we can eat the meat from my offering. We can enjoy the blessing of all the religious stuff while secretly we engage in demonic worship on my bed of perfumes and cinnamon. Again, we, we can look at those things and go, man, that sounds awful, but how many of us come day in and day out to this place we call church and we want to do the church thing, but again, secretly hoping that nobody knows, we go, oh, but I'm lurking at that corner to where I can gratify myself and then say, as those peoples at the golden calf, I'm just playing around. Isaiah is where we're going to end this morning. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20 says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams, of the fat of fat and abs. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and uh, convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies, your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me and I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. 
Though your skins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Guys, what is all of this about this morning? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Coming and doing the church thing and to say, I give up my Saturday or my Sunday morning. Do you know what else I could be doing? I get it. Sitting in a hot room, talking, listening to some beard guy go on for what was supposed to be 20 and went a little bit longer again. Sorry about that. And we chalk it up like some great sacrifice before the Lord. And all the meanwhile, we're living for ourselves and God goes, look, I'd rather have the relationship than some meaningless ritual. And we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit because our flesh is at war with the Spirit inside. If your hands and mouth worship God, but your heart is worshiping yourself, then it's just show for everyone else. And God knows your heart. But please understand this and all of this. I want this to be heard as clearly as you heard God pouring out his anger and frustration with ritual practices that meant nothing in the heart. While they have blood on their hands from the death of the innocent, they want to come before God and as frustrated and as angry as he is at this moment of this meaningless assembly, he interjects about how he is going to take their sin and wipe it away. Though it is as red, I will make it as white as wool. Because I want you to understand that even knowing your heart, Christ died for you. To make full atonement, to pay the penalty for your sins. And he did so with joy to make access to God possible. Not by the works of your hands, but by faith in the settled matter of Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary. The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at Sicko's Beat Suck 797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.